We have been looking at what it means to be a follower of Jesus since the beginning of, of the year. And we're going to continue that. And we're going, to, we're going to shift gears a little bit to look at it a little more corporately. Uh, as we mentioned during announcements, June 4th, we have a very special uh, day coming up. A day of transition, a, a wonderful celebration of what God has done in seven years together as a church family. And yet, as I've been working with our leadership team and staff over the last several weeks in preparation for it, uh, not only are we celebrating what God is doing, but, but we also have to really be, be spiritually ready, spiritually in tune. Um, because of the significance of the change, there, there may be opportunity, maybe challenges for some of us, uh, even for us as a church, to keep the main thing the main thing. To keep the main thing the main thing. Because... On June 4th, we're going to be there. Shiloh, kill the lights on the front. You can kill them all. If you haven't seen it lately, that's a picture from this week. That is where we are going to be on June 4th. Amen? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful facility. God has provided again just miraculously. And we're looking forward to it. Genuinely looking forward to it. Right. Uh, you have been faithful. You're not only in, in your giving, but in your prayers. And we're excited about what God is going to do. And yet and yet um, we're, we're acutely aware that that, you know, there's the flesh and there's an enemy out there. And and it's really easy. I don't know about you, but in my life, even when I leave here on a Sunday, it's really easy to get distracted. Really easy to. To leave here with good intentions and fired up and enthused and suddenly something happens on the way home or before you put your head down tonight, you're like, what happened? The day started off so well at church, you know, and I took a nosedive. Well, what, what God has sort of put on my heart for the next three, four weeks together is corporately to, to help us as a church to understand um, what we're going to be about. What is the purpose? Why are we even going there? What? What is our heart? What is our priority? How do we be followers of Jesus individually and corporately? Um, and, and it's really important because uh, June 4th is going to be a new season. It's going to be a new season for all of us. And uh, you're going to be challenged, you're going to be stretched, you're going to be encouraged to grow, take risks, all this kind of stuff. And, and really what it will boil down to as a church to stay united and to actually grow through the process, it's an issue of the heart. It's, it's an issue of the heart. And that's why we spent four months talking about following Jesus, because what is ultimately following Jesus? An issue of the heart. It's an issue of the heart. It's surrender. It's submission. It's walking in the spirit. Obedience, right? So, so corporately, in this, these next four weeks, we're going to talk about what it is to be a, sort of a, a, a follower of Jesus corporately when we're, when we're about to make a significant move, when we're about to make a significant move. And I, and I thought of a story that I've shared with you in the past, and this may be new to some of you, and some of you have heard it before, but I thought it was very appropriate uh, as we start this sort of mini-series in the next four weeks, and you'll probably hear me repeat this parable of the life-saving station because I think it really speaks to the potential pitfalls, obstacles, challenges that 1290 Grand could present to us if we're not ready, if our heart isn't right if we don't stay focused on following Jesus very closely. So it's called the parable of the life-saving station. On a dangerous sea coast where shipwrecks often occur, there was once a crude little life-saving station. The building was just a hut, and there was only one boat, but the few devoted members kept a constant watch over the sea. And with no thought for themselves, they went out day or night tirelessly searching for the lost. Many lives were saved by this wonderful little station so that it became famous. Some of those who were saved and various others in the surrounding areas wanted to become associated with the station and give of their time and money and effort for the support of its work. New boats were bought and new crews were trained. The little life-saving station grew. Some of the members of the life-saving station were unhappy that the building was so crude and so poorly equipped, they felt that a more comfortable place should be provided as the first refuge for those saved from the sea. They replaced the emergency cots with beds 
and put better furniture in an enlarged building. Now the life-saving station became a popular gathering place for its members, and they redecorated it beautifully and furnished it as a sort of club. Less of the members were now interested in going to sea on life-saving missions, so they hired lifeboat crews to do this work. The mission of life-saving was still given lip service, but most were too busy or lacked the necessary commitment to take part in the life-saving activities personally. About this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and the hired crews brought in boatloads of cold, wet, and half-drowned people. They were dirty and sick. Some had skin of a different color. Some spoke a strange language. And the beautiful new club was considerably messed up. So the property committee immediately had a shower house built outside the club where victims of shipwreck could be cleaned up before coming inside. At the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities as being unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal pattern of the club. But some members insisted that life-saving was their primary purpose and pointed out that they were still called a life-saving station. But they were finally voted down and told that if they wanted to save the lives of all various kinds of people who were shipwrecked in those waters, they could begin their own life-saving station down the coast. They did. As the years went by, the new station experienced the same changes that had occurred in the old. They evolved into a club, and yet another life-saving station was founded. If you visit the seacoast today, you will find a number of exclusive clubs along that shore. Shipwrecks are still frequent in those waters, but now most of the people drown. So, shall I go back to 1290 Grand? Hmm. Mm, mm, mm. So, we're here. We started in Cindy's living room. Then we popped over to Saturday night. It was about half this number for several years. And then we moved to Sunday morning and grew and it's great. Hmm. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? Right? And, 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 it's challenging. It's very challenging. In a few weeks, we're going to have the dedication service and some weddings, and you're going to see how beautiful it is. Club-esque. One of the nicest churches, you could put that church, that not just the exterior, but what's inside technology and the niceness of it, you can put it to any major city in this country, in this world, and people would have wow moments in any major city. It's not not just an Ojai thing. This is like 2017 and beyond, legacy type of building. But is that what it's about? Is that what it's going to be? And, and we're going to spend these next few weeks really just saying, Lord, prepare our hearts. Because we embrace it. We're enthused. We're excited. I really am. And yet right around the corner is the flesh. And, and, and the enemy and, and the, 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 the temptation for pride that starts off as enthusiasm. Yeah. Worship at the well now. Yeah. Come check it out. Right? And, and we walk a little bit taller and we go, you know, yeah. Is that what it is about? Hey, are we getting bumper stickers? I mean, nothing wrong with bumper stickers unless it's a pride. It's a heart issue, Right? And we have to be very careful. And that's what I want to spend these next weeks, weeks looking at. What, what is that going to be? Is that just going to be another building dotting the seacoast? Where we started with the best of intentions and then just a few weeks, years down the road, just another brick and mortar structure in Ojai, right? And, and, and it's very important because what is the church? What is the church? Okay, come on. If you've been with me since year one, what is it? Come on now. 
You know this. Come on. Do this. Here's a building with or without a steeple. Open the doors. The church is the people. The church is the people. That is not the church. That is where the church meets. Amen? It's, just, it's, a, it's a nice place where the church meets. I'm not going to deny that. But that is not the church. It's not the church. The church is the people. Which means that whether we stayed here, whether we go anywhere else, the church remains the same because the church is you and I. And regardless of where we are, we're still called to walk in obedience and to follow Jesus. We still have responsibilities. We still have a, a calling to follow Him. We're the church. We are the people. Okay? We celebrate that. You know, Ernie said that's a tool. I believe a lot of people are going to be impacted in that building. I believe a lot of people are going to get saved in that building. I believe marriages and, and people are going to be healed in that building of, of, of addictions and all kinds. I, lots of people stuff is going to happen in there. Amen? That's what it's about. People. People, people, people. And, and we have to keep that priority paramount. You, you know, and, and it sounds kind of easy. On, on the, it's tough. I, I, I go there regularly. And I'm like, wow. Right? And, and it's beautiful. And yet, I even have to discipline myself that it's about the people. It's about the people. It's about the people. Now, some may come and go, wow, wow, that's fine. We understand that. That, that. There's nothing wrong with that initially. But ultimately, we want people to know Jesus. And we want to continue to grow in our relationship with Jesus in that building. Okay? And we believe that as a, where we are in this season, who would have thought, if any of, I don't know if any of you would have thought that you would have an opportunity to lay a foundation for a legacy for the kingdom of God in the Ojai Valley long after you and I all get to heaven. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? There's a, one time we did a, a walk through uh, the Holy Land Bible study here and they looked at different trees and shrubs in the Holy Land and there was a one tree, right? The tamarisk tree. And in the, in the Holy Land, there's a tamarisk tree. And if you plant the tamarisk tree, you're not planting it for yourself because it takes a real long time to grow. When you plant a tamarisk tree, you're planting it for future generations to enjoy. It's a legacy tree. They call it the legacy tree. That's kind of like the tamarisk. It's a legacy. We're, God has provided. We get to be sort of the first wave that comes in. Forever long ha God has us on this planet. We get to pour into people. We get to celebrate. We get to laugh. We get to cry. We get to worship together. And we lay a legacy down. For the kingdom of God and the gospel to continue to be preached in the Ojai Valley. Amen? Isn't that awesome? Isn't that an awesome thought that, that God put us together for this season in the Ojai Valley? In the Ojai Valley. If you've ever like, Lord, do I matter? Lord, am I ever going to make a difference beyond, you know, something significant in my life? Yeah. You have an opportunity. Even today is still an opportunity. But if you look at that, that's an opportunity for all of us to make a difference in the Ojai Valley for generations to come. Your pictures are going to be on the wall. Okay, they won't be hammered because you're not allowed to hammer on the wall, but somehow they will be on a wall. At that dedication service, one of the things I want to do, we'll have that, hopefully we'll have the sign on the road, and we're all going to be in front of the building. We'll go across the street and we'll take a big picture. Church family picture. Right? And somewhere that's going to be there. And you'll be on. Right? Who's that guy? Oh, that was Ernie. You know? That's great, great, great grandpa Ernie. Yeah, he was here. You, you, right? Right? You don't think about your grandkids, great grandkids coming through and seeing you on the wall. Your picture. And if anyone writes inside the cabinets your name, I'm going to find you. <laughs> Olivia was here. 2017, right? It's a legacy. It's a wonderful opportunity to pour into the Ojai Valley to make a difference for generations to come for the kingdom. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than us. We're going to grow. We're going to celebrate. We're going to enjoy it. 
But it is so much bigger than us. And that's what I want us to, to, to really grasp and understand in the next several weeks together, that our walk with Jesus is so much bigger than just us. It's not just about us, right? So you can put the screen up. Try it. Look in Matthew 4, right? Jesus calls his first disciples, Matthew 4. Eighteen says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Verse 19, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. So in four months, we've been talking about what does it mean to follow Jesus? And we've looked at Jesus, say, hey, if anyone wants to come after me, deny himself, take up his cross. I've got to be the number one priority. I've got to be the number one person in your life, right? All of those questions that are on your notes there. We've been looking at this. Here's the challenge. Look what it says in verse 19. Come follow me, Jesus said. What's the next word? And I will make you fishers of men. For four, week, four months, if we're not careful, we've been focusing on come follow me. Great. It's important. We, under, we need to understand what it means and count the cost to follow Jesus. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't stop. And he didn't say, come follow me and it's all about you. Come follow me and I'm going to change you and you're going to be this and you, 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 you. This, if we're not careful, we, have to, we, we don't complete the sentence. It says, come follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. See, the following of Jesus has a higher purpose. And I will make you fishers of men. Right? And, and this is really important because there's this sort of tendency in our culture as a whole towards sort of self-centered consumerism. And you've heard me speak on this before. In the church, the church even bought into this to be very attractional. We, we sort of adopted a marketing standpoint to try to meet consumer needs, felt needs, to draw people to church. Unfortunately, what happened was people came and we fed that consumer mentality. And then after a time, it was just about them. And when they stopped getting what they wanted... From the church, they would just go shop for something else. So, so in your notes, I put, is it about me or is it about thee? Is it about getting or is it about giving? Is, when you come to church, is it just to get something or do you come to church to give? Now, I'm not talking money. I'm talking giving worship to God. I'm talking giving encouragement, giving prayer, giving love. When you gather, when you wake up on Sunday mornings and you're going to go to church, do you, do you, have, you, have you prayed, Lord, show me how to be a giver this morning. How can I give today? How can I give? Not just get worship, not just get donuts or get coffee or get good vibes or get friendship. That's all comes, that's part of the deal. We get that. But that's not the end. We have to come to be givers, right? And this is what I'm talking about. Going to 1290 grand can push some consumerism buttons in each of us. Because the music and the sound and the kitchen and the play area. Man, this is awesome. I like this. And I, and I, and I. And suddenly... Twelve ninety grand, without even realizing it, pushes all of these meet my needs, serve me buttons. See, this is this is a this is a challenge because when we were in Cindy's living room, it was Cindy's living room. No expectations for facility, right? We brought in green and white plastic patio chairs, and we strum a guitar with no sound, and I taught a Bible study with no application. And we were hunky-dory. Amen? 
And then we found a place to rent, and we came here on Saturday nights. And everyone said, Saturday nights, you guys are going to flop. It never, there's no church that's going to survive Saturday nights. We came here for years, and it was tough, right? We rent, we, we do as best as we can. Oh, high tournaments in full force. We can't even park, right? The music festival comes in. So for Saturday nights, you know, it's tough. Most of you are trying to stay awake on Saturday nights. Yes, it's been, they were long days, and you were faithful to come. At, what time did we start? Seven? Seven on a Saturday night. Woo! Those were the committed, right? And we hung in there, and then we moved to Sunday morning. But the thing is, as, as renters, we've never sort of had this ownership struggle. We're just very grateful. We're very grateful for Pastor Lynn and the Wesleyan congregation, and they've opened up their home, their church home, graciously, and we've just been very thankful. Thankful that we're here this morning. Thankful that they cut half the fellowship building for us. Thankful we have an office. Thankful that Tyler has a storage room slash office, right? We're just thankful. The challenge is we're all going into uncharted territory in about a month. Right? And so are we going to still be thankful and hold it like this? Or is it mine? It's mine. Don't you touch that. It's mine. And I'm going to take care of it for Jesus. And if you touch it, I'm going to break your fingers. It, right? It, it, it can happen that quick. It can happen that quick. To go from, oh Lord, thank you that we can just meet. Thank you we have AC. Thank you to... Right? Let's build a shower outside before they come in. Right? And all of a sudden we get all twisted up and we lose that it's about people and people coming to Jesus and, and people who are going through stuff and people whose lives are messy and people who don't understand church. And now are we going to... Right? I grew up in the, in the Calvary Chapel movement. And, and if you're not familiar with the Calvary Chapels, Chuck Smith was used to the Lord during the Jesus movement, right? And in the early uh, 70s, when the, when the Calvary Chapels were first starting, do you know how that started? What, what, what wave came through the churches that kind of rankled feathers? The young beach crowd came in. And God was moving in them, and they came to church with no shoes on. Oh! And that rankled. That was not well received across the board. They came in in their shorts and their flip-flops and no shoes and they were just themselves because they didn't know any better. And you know what? They were welcomed in by some. And out of that birthed the Calvary Chapel movement and in this, that Jesus movement. It was a bunch of unchurched young kids who decided to study the Bible and worship together. They didn't know any of this. They just wanted to know Jesus. That's what that's... Right? We have, to, we, have to, we have to keep the main things the main things. Right? So there's going to be a challenge with stewardship. We're not saying we don't take care of it. But we always have to be very careful that we don't flip our priorities. Because Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So how do we keep our priorities right from the get-go today we're going to look about it you know what my following of jesus is not about me fundamentally it's not about me it's not about me right turn to second corinthians 5 we're going to do a sort of a bible survey today because i really we really have to to settle this issue about what who's it about who is this about right second corinthians 5 Verse 14. 2 Corinthians 5.14 For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. Right? When you come to Christ and you affirm the gospel and what Jesus did for you on the cross, 
We're called to no longer live for us, but to live for Him. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's not just a Wednesday thing. It's not just a money thing. It's not just a volunteer thing. It's your life. We're called to live for Him, right? Turn to 1 Peter 2.9. We looked at this last year. 1 Peter 2.9 is towards the end of the New Testament. After Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Many of you probably have the next word underlined or circled. What is it? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We looked at this last year. That word that is called a purpose statement. So he starts off for verse nine with all these absolutely incredible truths. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Woohoo! Is that woohoo? Right? If that belongs to you, say woohoo! Right? That's you. Now, is that just like, oh, that's me. Tell me more. Tell me more, God. Just tell me more about me. Because it's all about me. What else am I? A new creation? I'm a new creation. Yes, what else? I'm a poem. I'm your workmanship. Anything else? I mean, if we're not careful, our Christianity, just, Lord, just keep telling me how great I am. Me, me, me. What else about me? Right? You've got to be real careful. Because that word, that, changes everything. It's a purpose statement that what you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are all those things for a purpose. What is the purpose? Uh, What is the purpose? Now, there's a there's a there's a there's a D word. To what? Declare. You are all those things to serve the purpose of the kingdom in being a witness in a, in a testimony, a living testimony. That word declare is to advertise. So you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may advertise Jesus. Mm. See, when you come here on Sunday, you get edified, you enjoy worship, you get the word. Kind of the point is when you leave here, you go advertise Jesus wherever you have lunch, wherever you go shopping. Wherever you leave from here, you're you're a walking billboard that you may declare the praises. That word declare is advertise. It's not just about us coming here and then getting filled up, so to speak, and then leaving. And all of a sudden our perspective is still on us when we leave here. When you walk out those doors, your perspective should go like this. You're a walking billboard. I think I did not I give you one time a few years ago, I gave you all name tags. And it said, hello, my name is, and we wrote Christian on all of them. And I challenge you to wear them out after church. Woo! What if you walked around with a big t-shirt that said, hello, I'm a Christian. Just been to church. Aha! Right? You go eat at Cafe Emporium after you're done here. Hey, waiter asks you, where'd you just come from? Mm, be very careful, depending on your attitude and how you've been treating them. Make sure. <laughs> right? We just came from church. Give me my food. Mm. Right? It's bigger than us. There's a higher purpose. Right? Turn to Titus. Right? We looked at this one around Christmas time. Turn to the book of Titus. It's to your left. Right before the... Hold on. Right after the Timothy. Right before Philemon and Hebrews. Titus 2. Right? Remember these verses. Titus 2, 9 and 10. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted. 
so that in every way they, these are believing slaves, okay, in horrific living conditions, so that they, these believing slaves in horrific conditions, in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. If you were here at Christmas, there was a big tree here with ornaments. We gave you out these ornaments with these verse on it, right? And we said, Titus 2, 9 and 10 says that our lives are to adorn the gospel. Our lives are to make the gospel attractive. When it says attractive there, in some versions it's adorn. That word is cosmetic. Anybody adorn yourself this morning? Ah, anyone look in the mirror and have to do some adorning? Right? So this morning, you woke up and you said, oh, I'm going to church. I have to adorn myself. Some of you literally use cosmetics. Some of you just splashed water on your face, right? You brushed your hair, did whatever you did because you wanted to adorn yourself to be in public, right? We all do this. For me, it's pretty much because I don't want people to make fun of me, laugh at me. It's about me. I adorn myself for self, selfish reasons. Not bad, just, it's just me, right? If you adorned yourself today, why'd you do it? What was your motive? Was it first and foremost for Jesus? Right? Now, it is possible we look at 1290 grand and how beautiful it is. We want the facility to adorn the, do- the, the gospel. Unashamedly. I want people to walk in and go, Wah! And I want you to go, yeah, that wall is Jesus. I want it to be attractional that way. If they understand God provided, God's alive, God loves you. Okay. Make it, make it, we'll adorn it to that degree. But our lives are to adorn the gospel. We're to be ornaments. We're to be ornaments, right? When you see a Christmas tree, if it's nicely done, you want to look more. Well, we're all a bunch of ornaments right here. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're an ornament. <laughs> all right? You're an ornament. So if someone came in who wasn't a believer, and maybe there's someone in here, did you ever realize that you're as much on display as me and the worship team? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> did you realize that? If we have a church visitor... And they're sitting around you. They're listening to you. They're watching you. They're watching how you worship. They're watching how you pay attention right now. They're watching how you interact with one another. They're watching you because you're all ornaments. And they're trying to figure out who Jesus is and if they want a relationship with Jesus and if this is real, not by just me, because they expect me to say this stuff. It's you. It's you that they are being impacted by, and that doesn't change whether we're here or at Grand. Amen? It's still going to be you. It's still going to be you that adorn the doctrine. It is. I'm going to do my part. The worship team is going to do our part. But before service, during service, and after service, we all have a part to play. We're all ornaments. We really are. Yesterday, we did some work out there, and... Uh, Nadine, did you know her before that? A lay, uh, neighbor lives on that street right there, stopped by, and she has a little girl, little girl, and a boy. They don't really go to church, but you know what she told Nadine yesterday? She's so excited to come so her kids can learn about Jesus. This is an unchurched young family who lives right down the street, on the street. See your house. They just moved in and she helped carry some stuff to her house yesterday and chatted. And she's excited to bring her kids to learn about Jesus. Who are their kids going to learn about Jesus from? Yeah. Don't, don't point at me. Who is that family going to learn about Jesus from? Mother, father, right? It's all of us. It's bigger than 
just me coming. You don't know who's sitting around you. Right? I had another, an experience yesterday with another lady who came by. She lives on that side of the church as we're facing the street. And she, she had a question about uh, what is a non-denominational church, right? And it, it was a great conversation. I explained to her. She goes, well, you know, I was a little bit curious about that. It wasn't really clear. Because I saw you guys have a big cross in front. So she knew we were, she assumed, and she was comfortable that we were Christians. She just didn't understand non-denominational versus denominational. Remember I told you we were going to put the cross up there and keep it there as a theological statement? Well, there's a neighbor who doesn't go to church that understood that we were a Christian church because we have a big cross in the front. Now, who is it up to to demonstrate what a Christian is all about once we get there? Not me. In fact, we were there and she came up to me, right? She goes, are you the pastor? I'm like, oh, I don't know. It depends what day it is. You know, I'm like, it's all of us. We got a big cross in the front, folks. That, that theologically says we are people of the cross. That we believe in Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That we affirm scripture. That is a bold statement in this, in this culture. And it's even read. I mean, we're not hiding anything. It's who we've always been. It's who we'll always be. But when they come through the doors, and when they come onto the campus, it's we. It's we. It's the conversations and the love and, and everything they're going to experience with you interacting with them that is going to impact them when they leave. We are, we're all in this together. It's about people. I'm excited. Are you excited about that? That's wonderful. It is so wonderful. People kind of wonder, can you still reach Ojai? Is, there, you know, is Ojai so dark? Are people so apathetic? Do they just not care about the gospel? In six months over there, most of our conversations and Bill's conversations have been with non-believers who were interested. It's just relationship. You just got to have a conversation, right? I love John. John's a great conversationalist. You just got to talk to people. Just get to know them. Which means you have to talk to them. <laughs> right? We all have to, It's going to be a change. We're all going to be out of our comfort zone. But if we're, if we're set that the purpose is bigger than just me, then we can be used of the Lord. Amen? Then we can be used of the Lord. Right? So if you see in your notes there, it includes not just individually, but also the church. Turn to Romans 15. So individually, we're called to adorn. Right? We're called to glorify God. Our lives should be doxologies, glory sayings. What that means, that word doxology is a glory saying. Our life, my life, should be a doxology, right? Romans 15, verse 5. I love this verse, and, and this is probably going to be one of my theme verses for our move. Romans 15, verses 5 and 6. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of what? Unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. I love that prayer for the church. That's a great prayer for us as we move, right? So that, purpose statement, purpose statement, warning, warning, right? Purpose statement. So that with one heart and mouth you may what? Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a great prayer for a church family, right? Unity as we follow Christ with the purpose that we glorify God. I'll take that to 1290 grand. If we just do that, we're going to be fine. Amen? All right, so turn to the person next to you, point to those verses and say, let's just do that. Let's just do that. Let's just do that. Have a spirit of unity, follow Christ, glorify God. If we do that, we really can't mess it up. It's when we turn it into about us, that we get off track really quick. As soon as it becomes about me or my kingdom or my territory or how, how the new facility is going to meet my needs, it's going gonna, it's gonna to quickly, quickly go sideways. Because it's not just about us. 
It's not just about us. We have to always remember that, right? There's an example in Romans that, that really, you know, as much as that's a celebratory verse, turn to Romans 2. Look at this, look at this example that when I read it, I was like, ooh, okay, Lord. This is an example that I wouldn't want to be true of us. Romans 2, verse 17. Romans 2, 17. Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, if you know His will and approve what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. There is a group that are bragging about being God's people. And we got the law, and we're all that, and it's all about us, 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 us. We're it. And you know what he's saying in these verses? God's name is being dragged through the mud by the Gentiles because of how you actually live your life. Their life, their hypocritical life, is dragging God's name through the mud. Woo! Christians, you who profess to be new creations in Christ, you who profess to have everything pertaining to life and godliness, you who profess to have the Holy Spirit in you, how is your life either glorifying God's name or dragging it through the mud? That's what they're saying. That's my concern. Yay! You who go to the well. Hey, you one of them wellers? You one of them wellites? Hey, that... Hey, don't they go to the well? That dude just cheated me. They go to that church on the east end, but that dude, man, he's dishonest. Uh, you ever heard that guy's mouth? And they say they go to that church at the East End. It comes about you, and you think you're all that. It's that quick to forgetting that it's God's name that you should be concerned about. It was God's name that was being blasphemed. And as we move, I would hope that there wouldn't be this strange split or dichotomy between, oh, we go to the well, and yeah, Sundays, it's awesome, and it's great, but Monday through Saturday, there's this compartmentalization and this division between how I actually live. That's what's happening in Romans 2, 17 to 24. And as a result, God's name is being blasphemed. That's weighty. Because if you call yourself a Christian, you're actually carrying the name of Christ. Forget the well for a moment. That's so secondary. If you profess to be a believer, a Christian, someone who belongs to Christ, how you live, what you do at work, what you do at school, what you do in your house, how you handle your money, how you handle your time, what comes out of your mouth, your thoughts, everything in your life. Everything in your life should glorify Him. Now, we understand we're in sanctification. We understand we're in transformation. We get that. Okay? We get that. But there's a responsibility we carry. Not first and foremost to the well. A responsibility to Jesus. Amen? Amen. That's what we're about. That's why, you know, I share that picture with you and keeping the main things the main things. But if we in the next three, four weeks really settle the issue individually and corporately, that it's not just about us. Because the truth be known, guys, we could have just stayed here and been fine. Do you know why? How I, how I know that? Because people are still getting saved here. Because people still want to be baptized even when we're here. 
because people are still listening on a Sunday and making life decisions even while we're here. Ministry is already happening here. Lives are being changed. Souls are being saved on Sundays at 9 a.m. Amen? That aspect of who we are and what we do, which is really who we are and what we do, doesn't, isn't going to change unless we change our focus. Well, now we're there. Now we can really do ministry. Really? Really? We were waiting until we got our own facility. Then now we're, now we're a legit church? Really? You see what I'm saying? That's, it's so easy to get caught up in the flesh, though. Now we're somebody. No, all we are are owners with a whole lot more responsibility. I've told you before, one of the things I like about being a renter here for six years is all I have to do is close the gate when I leave. Something goes wrong with the plumbing? Hey, Lynn! Something's wrong with the lights? Hey, Lynn! Right? There's a whole lot more responsibility that comes for us over there. Right? But at the core, what we do spiritually has already been happening since day one in Cindy's living room. Amen? It's who we've always been. We drove the stake in the ground. This is God's word. This is God's truth. We're never going to compromise it. And this is what we're based on. We are the, the church is the pillar and foundation of truth. Amen? Okay. Because we've been true to that, I believe God is blessing us. And why are we going then? You say, well, if it's all fine, why are we going? Obedience. And we're going to look at that next week. You're going to see in Luke 5 where Jesus calls a couple of his first disciples and they had been fishing all night and didn't catch anything. And Jesus says, hey, go out to the deep in the middle of the day and throw a net. What? You're a carpenter's son. What do you know about fishing? No, you go do it. And in Luke 5, we're going to see out of obedience and the authority of God's word, Jesus' words and obedience to him, they went and caught an incredible amount of fish. And Jesus says, hey, you know what? You're going to catch men. So core, we're going to see we're going there out of obedience. It's just time. It's just time. That's why we're going. It has nothing to do with us. It's just an obedience issue at this point. So we're surrendered. We're submitted as a leadership team. God has provided. And we're going in obedience. And we believe that in obedience that God is going to do incredible things in the Ojai Valley. In the lives of people. In the lives of people. But we got to remember it's not about us. Do you live your life to be a doxology? Do you live your life to adorn? Do you live your life to be a billboard for Jesus? Start there. As, as, as much as we're enthused about a building and everything, start there. Go back to there. Because if collectively we're already doing that, when we arrive, it's going to be wonderful. We have a month to drill this truth into our hearts and minds. It's not just about us. We are simply to adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether it's 105 East Topa Topa or 1290 Grand. It doesn't matter. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for reminding us this morning that it's not just about us. Yes, we enjoy fellowship. Yes, we enjoy worship. Yes, we enjoy air conditioning. Yes, we enjoy your word together. Yes, we have grown. Yes, we have been transformed. We have received so many blessings in six years here. But ultimately, it's always been about you. And so this morning, before we take communion, we just want to pause and ask you to search our hearts. Father, have I been living my life to adorn the gospel? Have I been purposeful, proactive in being a billboard advertising Jesus? in how I conduct my life? Is my life a doxology, a glory saying? 
And Father, if there are areas in our life that, that if we were honest, we would say, oh gosh, I don't know about that one. We confess it. We agree. We admit it. And we yield. We're so thankful. Not just for this facility, but we're thankful for Jesus. Thankful that our names are written in heaven. Thankful that we are new creations. And and this morning we're thankful that we're reminded that all of those things are true so that we can declare the praises of you. It's not just about us. Jesus, you came to earth with a mission. And I think about you in the garden when you were struggling and you said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You understood there was a higher purpose even for your life on this planet. And you yielded and you submitted to the Father's will. And so that's what we want to do this morning is is yield and submit. Nevertheless, Father, these areas in our life that aren't glorifying you, these areas in our life that, that don't bring you praise, nevertheless, Lord, we'll yield, we'll submit to what you say we're to do. So we'll distribute the uh, elements, have a time of just a prayer and reflection, and then we'll take communion together. John 14, 8, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. In verse 9, Jesus answers, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And Jesus, that's our desire. That when people see us, they see followers of Jesus. That we would rightly and accurately portray you, advertise you, adorn you in our communities. So Jesus, thank you for setting the example of surrender and submission to the Father's will. 1 Corinthians 11:23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same way, after supper, He took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of Me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Let's go ahead and take communion. Worship team, you guys can come on up. So a word of encouragement to all of us, right? We're going to sing a song about God's amazing grace. Is it amazing? It is, right? Does it put a smile on your face? Yes. So when we leave church... And we go out as walking billboards to those in town for the tournament and wherever you're going to go throughout this day. What should we be pretty much representing? The joy of the Lord. Amen. Right. We're going to leave here. Think about this. You're going to leave here no matter what happens today. Nothing can change who you are in Christ. Your name is written in heaven. You have a father that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Right. You're a new creation. Leave here and just go be a doxology. Just go praise Him. Adorn Him today. Can we do that together? All right, let's stand together and let's sing This is Amazing Grace.